Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. And hello, everyone. Bill Rowland with you here for Yards and Stripes. Price Atkinson has the week off, but I'll uh, continue on as we always do. Got some game recaps for you. Some previews as all three service academies will be back in action this weekend, including two of them having their senior days. So we'll hear from both of the head coaches that will be leading their senior day uh, this week. Uh, get their thoughts on what Senior Day means for not only their class that's graduating this year, but just in general as well. And, of course, we'll have our Travis Mannion honor roll uh, as uh, well coming up a little bit later on in the show. Of course, we have to get things started with some recaps from last week's action. Navy off after their week against Notre Dame. They were on the bye week this week, so only two games to really go over, and really only one uh, that was any kind of ball game. We knew, we talked about it last week with the Army taking on Bucknell, almost a name-your-score type of game. That's what it was. We'll still go through and give you the numbers and the updates and the stats and everything. I think they had 18 different players that ended up carrying the ball in that game. But we'll start things off with Air Force and their victory uh, on Saturday as they get a win 35-21 to over Colorado State. Air Force now 7-3 and overall, 4-2 and in the Mountain West. And unless they get a lot of help from some teams that aren't very good, it looks like Air Force is going to miss out on that uh, opportunity to play for the Mountain West title. But still, a very good season here for Air Force. An opportunity coming up for them to finish with 8 or 9 wins, get themselves into a bowl game. We actually have a couple of the bowl game projections for both Air Force and Army. We'll give you those a little bit later on in the show as well. But let's go ahead and dive right in here and talk about this Air Force-Colorado State game. The uh, The Falcons got off to a great start, 21-7 after the first quarter. Looked like they were going to be able to move the ball up and down the field uh, anytime they wanted to against Colorado State. Things kind of bogged down in the second quarter. Colorado State held them scoreless, so they go into halftime. It's 21-14. to And then in the second half, what I thought might have been the play of the game, and a lot of people were talking about it afterwards, Colorado State's got a little momentum. Again, it's 21-14 going into the second half. So third quarter gets underway. Air Force receives the second-half kickoff. And they are going down the field, and they get to a fourth and five at their own 41 after they had gotten a first down. Uh, They converted a third and one earlier in the drive, uh, got stuck um, on a third and six. They only got one yard on a pass play to Dane Kinneman from Hazik Daniels. So fourth and five, they line up the punt. They look like they're going to give the ball back to Colorado State, give them a chance to go down and score. And Air Force calls for a fake punt, again, in their own territory. Dane Kinneman goes for 16 yards on the play. They end up going in and scoring a touchdown. They converted another fourth and four later on in the drive. This one was at the Colorado State 37. But the fourth and five, when they fake punted and got 16 yards on it, kind of set it up, they would go on in and score uh, to make it a 28-14 ball game. And then right after that went for an onside kick. 
Unfortunately, they didn't get it. Colorado State used the short field, went in and made it 28-21. But the fake punt was the key to them getting that touchdown to go up by two scores at 28-14. And head coach Calhoun of the Air Force talked about, yeah, it's a, it's a risky move, and it's one you got to live with either way. Well, if it doesn't work, uh, you know, you got to live with it, too. Uh, I'm glad that it did. He made a good run. Two really, really good blocks by uh, really four really good blocks by DeMonte, by Vince, and then uh, our two shield guys. So they get up 28 to 14. As we said, Colorado State cuts it to 28-21. And then uh, Air Force able to go down and score right before the quarter ended to go back on top by two scores at 35-21. And we know that's kind of where it ended Uh, as the final score goes, but it did get interesting in the fourth quarter because two different times Colorado State was able to get the ball in Air Force territory. Air Force came up with an interception to stop the one drive when Colorado State had gotten all the way to their 15. Right after the interception, Air Force threw one of their own, gave it right back to Colorado State, and then the defense was able to come up and get a turnover on downs. Colorado State had gone for on fourth and 10. Instead of kicking the field goal, they were looking to get the touchdown. They went for it. They were unable to convert. Uh, so Air Force got the ball back. Um, and with that, uh, they were able to, again, hold on and get that uh, 35-21 victory. The most impressive drive that ended up in no scores was probably the last time that Air Force had the football. Eight minutes to go in the game. They're up by two scores. They take it. They drive it all the way down, and they finish off without even having to score. They kneeled down at the end of the game inside Colorado State territory, ran the last eight minutes off the clock, uh, and that is Air Force football, as we know, just controlling the clock, keeping it away from Colorado State, uh, and another fine job again. Throwing the ball a little bit more uh, this week, as we had talked about, seeing that done in the Army-Air Force game, 11 attempts. Now, Hazik Daniels only completed four passes, but the four passes went for 121 yards, so 30 yards a pass, including one that went for 92 yards on the day, also threw for two touchdowns. But when you're talking about Air Force, you're talking about the run game, and that's exactly what they did, 69 carries, Ended up with a net total of 388 yards on the ground. Two guys went over 100 in Brad Roberts and DeAndre Hughes. And they really got it going, as we mentioned, running out the clock uh, in the fourth quarter of the last eight minutes. Coach Calhoun, very happy with the way things went the second half. I thought it took us a little bit of time to find a rhythm. I thought we were okay on our first drive. But after that, we we were fortunate enough to have a couple of big plays. But it really wasn't until about the middle of the third quarter where you felt like, okay, we're we're starting to establish some stuff. And that's a credit to our guys up front, too. Yeah, the guys up front, again, 388 yards on the ground, including 151 on 32 carries. For Brad Robertson, he didn't break any big ones. The longest carry he had of the day was 18 yards, so he was really just grinding it out, grinding it out, uh, which is what we've expected from him. We've seen from him all season long. He goes over 1,000 yards for the season, and he really felt like uh, after a couple weeks of Air Force not being able to move the ball on the ground that, yeah, those big diesels up front, they're back. We really focused that on uh, in practice this week. I think we had two games that we were under 200 yards rushing, and that's just not who we are. And uh, we really, we really stepped it up in practice, and we want to take pride in uh, becoming the diesels. 
So that's the next thing is for Air Force to be able to continue to run the football here over the last couple of games. And they've got a tough game coming up uh, uh, at Nevada, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. All right, the other game from this week, Army taking on uh, taking on Bucknell. And as we you know had said, this was probably going to be kind of a name-your-score type of game, and that's exactly what it ended up being as uh, Army raced out to a giant lead uh, and then just coasted home, winning this one, going away. I mean, basically from the opening kickoff, you saw how it was going to go down. They win it 63-10 to over Bucknell. And as I mentioned off the top, they pretty much got everybody that they could involved in this one. And why wouldn't you when you're playing a team that is just so overmatched uh, as Bucknell was? Uh, For Army on the day, 61 carries, 428 yards. In fact, every single carry that they had in this game went for at least neutral yardage, if not positive yardage. They did not have a single carry for loss in the entire game. Did not give up a sack. Uh, Jabari Lars only threw three times, 58 yards. Had a touchdown pass in there as well, but it was spread out. Uh, Tyson Riley carried the most for Army, 18 carries, excuse me, 10 carries for 70 yards on the game, had a touchdown. Eight different players carried the football and got a touchdown for Army in this game. 18 players overall had at least one carry in the game. I mean, they did exactly what you would expect them to do against Bucknell. So there's really not a ton to talk about in this game because it was such a blowout right from the start. The only bad thing was they had a little bit of a weather delay uh, at halftime into the third quarter, but it was 42 to nothing at halftime. Uh, they gave up uh, a touchdown and a field goal on a, on a fumble uh, off a kickoff in the, in the third quarter. So that was maybe the only downside that Coach Munkin saw was, was giving them the 10 points in the third quarter, but uh, no big deal. Army goes on, gets another 14 points in the fourth and they win it 63-10 to over Bucknell. Army now 6-3 and on the year, bowl eligible. They'll be taking on what should be another blowout coming up this weekend as they will face uh, they will face UMass and are already favored in that one. It's a 37-point spread. But again, we'll talk about UMass and Army coming up when we get to our games that uh, we're going to preview for the week. Uh, so... The bowl projections that I I talked about, CBS Sports on their website, they do all the things from the college football playoff to everything else. They kind of give you an idea of where they think uh, teams will end up as far as bowl games go. And, of course, uh, Army and Air Force are both bowl eligible, both expected to be in pretty good bowl games. Uh, For Air Force, they're projected to play in the Armed Forces Bowl, which is going to be played in Fort Worth. Uh, and take on uh, SMU, Southern Methodist. So that would be a good matchup for Air Force going back to Texas. Of course, they played the Air Force Army game in Texas. SMU from Texas, obviously. So that would be uh, hopefully a a well-attended bowl game if it is SMU and Air Force. Uh, The Bulls, you know, in the past, ever since they've done the college football playoff, things have kind of changed a little bit as far as the bowl games go. It used to be, well, if you finish second in this conference, you're definitely going to this bowl They've kind of shifted it a little bit now to get these matchups that they think will get more people there. I mean, you look at it and say, okay, 
where are these teams going to travel to? Where are they do we keep them closer to home when you get to these types of games because you want to make sure uh, that you get fans in the stands. You don't want to have this big bowl game and have you know fifteen thousand people there like we've seen for some of them in the past. But anyway, Armed Forces Bowl, Air Force expected to take on SMU in that one. For Army, they're projected to take on Coastal Carolina in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and that would be almost like a, a road game for Army because, of course, Coastal Carolina, right down there, Myrtle Beach area. So it would be a great matchup. That would be a lot of fun. We know Coastal likes to throw the ball around. They're an exciting team. They take chances. They do all this stuff. That would be a lot of fun to see Coastal take on an Army team that, again, is just going to try to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, control the clock. Coastal is always a fun team to watch play. We know what Army is going to do and what they're going to be like. So I like the fact that the Army is going to be uh, perhaps matched up with Coastal Carolina. Of course, a lot can change win the game against UMass. And you've also got, of course, the Navy game coming up at the end of the year. So uh, Army's got a couple more chances to add on to their win total. Uh, the game at Liberty in a couple of weeks on the 27th. Uh, is going to be a good one as well and a good test for them. That may project them into a different bowl. But even if it's just uh, Coastal Carolina and Army, that's a fantastic bowl game for both of these teams. And uh, it would be a lot of fun to see Army uh, matched up there in that one. All right, uh, we'll take a quick step aside. When we come back, we'll talk about the upcoming games this week. Air Force is at Nevada. Navy hosting East Carolina Army hosting UMass. We'll talk about all those, get some thoughts from the coaches on their senior days, and also later on the show, of course, our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll as well. Stick with us. It's Yards and Stripes. Bill Rowland, Price Atkinson out this week. We'll be back with more. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. Words that live in veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians who go out of their way to find a way, who help others with the help of others, who bounce back after each setback who make good on good intentions. Through Travis Manion Foundation, if not me, then who, are words that can live in you too. Show the world what your character is made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. That's travismanion.org. Welcome back into Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Roland with you. Price Atkinson has the week off. It's now time for us to take a look at all the upcoming games for this week. All three service academies will be in action, and we will go uh, as they will kick things off here on Saturday. First game of the three, Army will be hosting UMass. That is a noon kickoff time from Mikey Stadium there at West Point and uh, Army installed as a 37-point favorite over a 1-9 UMass team. UMass has already fired their coach this year. 
They have not really been uh, very competitive in a lot of their games this year, but we'll get to UMass here in a second. More importantly for Army, this is their senior day. This is the last time that many of their players, uh, I think about the 25 to 30 of them in total, will be playing uh, a game at Mikey Stadium because they go to Liberty on the 27th. And then, of course, the Army-Navy game to close things out on the season on December 11th. That'll be played in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So this is the last time that these seniors will be playing a game in Mikey Stadium. And they've had a very good uh, season, 4-1 and one at home uh, this year. The only loss was to at then number 15 Wake Forest in that incredible 70-56 to 56 type game. So they've had a very successful season looking to finish it off 5-1 and one at home. And there's no reason to think that they won't finish it off at 5-1 and one at home because, again, as we talked about, UMass is just not a very, very good team. But head coach Jeff Munkin, in talking about the preparation for this game and talking about the things that go on, it's going to be a very special day for those seniors playing their last game there at West Point. Senior day is just an honor uh, or a day to honor those members of our senior class. We've got a lot of great guys in this class that deserve to have the recognition. And some of those guys play a whole lot and they get interviewed and they're up for individual awards and starters and our guys get to see them play all the time. But there's a lot of guys in that class that have just invested in this program and, and maybe don't get the recognition that's deserving of their, of their effort and their work. You know, senior day is a day that, that we all get a chance to really step back and, and recognize them and they get recognized before the game, their parents and loved ones and, and people that they uh, have asked to come and, and be with them on that day is, is, is really special. So I, I, it's just a day for them. And, and we're glad to, to be able to honor this senior class that there's several players managers and mentors that are that are going to be out there on Saturday. And it should be a good one on Saturday. There's always the two games, right, that you want to be able to really go out and have a good game for, homecoming and also senior day. Those are the two days that you really, really want to, you know, go and show out and play well and, 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 and have it be almost like a party atmosphere by the fourth quarter. And I expect that this will be the same because they're taking on a UMass team, again, that is one in nine on the season and they're giving up an average of 44 points a game. They're giving up an average of 224 yards on the ground. You know that Army is definitely going to go over 300, probably over 400 yards uh, in this contest. And more importantly, the problem for UMass is even playing you know, the schedule that they have, they're giving up 53% on third down. Well, you know there's going to be a lot of third down opportunities uh, when you play Army, because when you run the ball as much as they do, and sometimes you get three yards on first down, four yards on second down. So now you're looking at a third and three. Well, UMass is giving up 53% on third down conversions. This could be a game easily where Army controls it for 40 to 45 minutes of this contest because I think they're just going to have very long drives. Now, maybe it won't. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll explode like they did uh, against Bucknell, and it, it won't take them long to march down the field and, and get the touchdowns. But I would imagine uh, this is going to be a game where, where Army does whatever it is that they want to do, much like it was against Bucknell. I would imagine, it, and again, I'm not a, a betting person necessarily. I'd have no problem thinking that Army is going to win this game by 37 points because UMass is just completely outclassed. They have not really been 
in any game this year, save for the win over UConn, who, as we've talked about before, is another not really good football team. Uh, other than that, you look at their last few games, uh, losing to Maine 35-10, to losing to Rhode Island uh, 35-22, to Liberty, uh, who, of course, we will see uh, Army take on next week. 62-17 to loss. 59-3 to Florida State. 45-7 to to Toledo. 53-3 to to Coastal Carolina. Uh, 42-28 Eastern Michigan. 45-28 to uh, a loss to Boston College. And 51-7 to uh, the loss to Pitt out of the ACC. So they've played some tough competition when you look at Coastal Carolina, Boston College, uh, going to Pitt, going to Florida State. Uh, but that's what you have to do when you're UMass and you're not really affiliated. Uh, you're an independent. You've got to put that schedule together that way. Problem is, talent-wise, they just can't match up to any of these teams. So they'll play uh, at Army, and then UMass will close things out at New Mexico State. So they had their senior day last week in losing to Maine 35-10. to But, again, all the problems that UMass has had – uh, Coach Jeff Munkin of, of Army you know, makes a great point that, you know, they can come out there and, and they can play loose and, and there's really not much for them to play for. So why not just try anything and everything? Obviously, they're struggling. They're having a tough year. They, they, they beat UConn. It was a great win for them. I know it was, a, it was a, an important victory for them. That's certainly still while Coach Bell was, was coaching them. And uh, he's been let go. And so we, we just... We don't know what to expect. They've got nothing to lose at this point, really, just to, to let it all hang out and have fun and play. And we may see some different schemes than, than we've seen. They, they played uh, last weekend for the first time without Coach Bell. I'm really expecting anything, onside kicks and fake kicks and maybe some different things on offense and defense than, than they've shown. And uh, so it's a lot to prepare for. So there you go. That's uh, what they're thinking about. As you said, onside kicks, fake kicks, all that type of stuff. Uh, again, Army comes into this game uh, with uh, Christian Anderson over 500 yards on this season. It's a very balanced attack. There isn't like uh, Air Force where you have Brad Roberts is doing most of the work uh, as far as running the football. You look at the attempts, you look at the yards gained, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tyre Tyler, 91 attempts on the year. Jacoby Buchanan, 78 attempts on the year. Christian Anderson, 72 attempts on the season. Anthony Adkins, 63 attempts on the season. So you can see they've they've basically, uh, you know, done a great job of balancing it out. You look at it, Buchanan, Tyler, Anderson, seven touchdowns on the ground, six, six. So it's it's a combination of people for this Army team that's going to do the dirty work. Again, I don't expect that they'll have uh, maybe more than just one person get over 100 yards because I think they're going to be so far ahead in this game that they're basically going to be able uh, to to do like they did last week and get 17, 18 people uh, to carry the football um, on Saturday against UMass. I expect Army to get the win, get to 7-3. and three. They can then turn their attention to Liberty. And then after that, of course, the Navy game following up. So again, Army opportunity here to finish the regular season at nine and three. I would think a worse, probably maybe eight and four, uh, but it's a good chance for them to again a nine win season. Going to be back in a bowl game and have an opportunity to play a pretty good uh, a team in that bowl game. So uh, lots to look forward to 
for Army coming up, and it starts uh, again at noon this week against UMass as a 37-point favorite. All right, 3.30 Eastern time in Annapolis. Navy will be hosting East Carolina. The midshipmen are four-point underdogs to the Pirates, and East Carolina has done a good job of kind of getting things turned around because at the beginning of the year, I think a lot of people thought, you know, they haven't been great the last few seasons. They lost to Appalachian State by 14 uh, on the opening day, and then a, a South Carolina team who really is not that good, although they are back to 500 under Shane Beamer. Uh, they lost to South Carolina by a field goal, but then they kind of got things turned around. Beat Marshall on the road, which kind of start started things off for them as they won three straight, beating Marshall, Charleston Southern, and then Tulane. Uh, fell only by four to Central Florida. Lost in overtime to a good Houston team. And then beat South Florida and Temple back-to-back weeks. But the big one was this past week when they went to Memphis and won the game in overtime, beating Memphis 30-29. to And we know uh, East Carolina now 4-2 in conference play. Memphis drops to 2-4, but we saw what Memphis was able to do uh, to Navy on that Thursday night game. So for East Carolina to go there uh, and get the victory and actually had the lead late, and Memphis had to come back and kick a field goal late in that game to send it to overtime. Uh, that's a, a, a nice win for East Carolina. Again, a team that is trying to get things turned around. And, and Holden Ehlers, their quarterback, while he didn't throw for a touchdown in the game, he did a nice job through the air, 313 yards uh, passing. He also carried it 18 times. Uh, so they do a good job, again, on offense of being able to move the football through the air or on the ground. They ended up with almost 200 yards rushing to go along with 300 yards passing in that game against Memphis. So this is going to be a tough uh, ask for Navy. Um, Actually, at the beginning of the year, when we were talking about how Navy had gotten off to the rough start and I was looking at things, I thought, okay, this is a Navy team that is going to struggle And if they have a chance to get a victory, it may come against East Carolina because I didn't think that the Pirates were that good. Well, they've proven me wrong because they've actually played very, very well. Again, they've won six of their last eight after dropping their first two. Now, they've got Cincinnati coming up after Navy, which could be a problem. But at 4-2 and in the American Athletic Conference, uh, East Carolina has been impressive. And uh, Coach Ken there at Navy even said, uh, going to Memphis and winning that game was impressive. To beat them there, you know, that's a tough place to win. You know, the way they hung on, you know, I mean, that's, a, again, a, a tough a tough team. They fought to the end, um, you know, overtime game. Uh, just impressive, you know what I mean? And you can see the jubilation of their team after a win, but hard-fought win against a good team on the road. So Navy will have their hands full with that East Carolina team. Again, it's going to come in and try to exploit Uh, The midshipmen through the air, I would imagine that's going to be the uh, line of attack is to try to line up and see if they can't throw for, you know, 300, 350 yards and try to get points up because as we've seen, you get Navy down, they have a tough time. As a lot of the the teams do that run the type of offense that Navy and Army and Air Force do. If you get them down, it's hard for them to, to come back. Navy will try to control the clock like they always do. But there will be high emotions running because much like Army uh, going through their senior day, 
Navy is doing it as well. And Ken Niamatololo expects it to be an emotional day. Yeah, it's always emotional for all of the coaches, the players. You know, you put a lot, you invest a lot into this. I'm talking about the players. And so when you realize the finality of playing your last game in Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, I think it's really emotional for these players. The program is built on developing and the seniors are the leaders. And this has been a, as good a class as I could set as leaders that I've ever been around. You know, the season on the field is not going so great like we'd like it to be. You know, just the small victories uh, that are occurring off the field, on the field, from a leadership standpoint from these seniors has been remarkable. Uh, the Friday night team meeting, those are always emotional meetings, you know, with the players talking and just speaking from the heart, having their parents come. I mean, that's where everything starts. It's emotional, too, because you see so many kids with their parents, and then you remember them coming on their official visit or visiting them in recruiting and seeing their journey to be where they're at. And a lot of them wanted to leave. And, uh, you know, some of their teammates aren't here anymore that, that didn't uh, finish it out. So all of that, just the just the climax of all of that, all of that coming together, it's, like you said, it's, it is a very emotional day for these seniors because it's very understandable why it's so emotional. And one of those seniors, Chase Warren, the senior slotback, talked about what his journey will be like this coming weekend. It hits a little different now that it's, you know, it, it's my class's turn, it's my turn to, to stand up and you know, say those last regards. I know I'm going to be emotional during what I'm looking forward to, Walking out of the tunnel with my, with my parents, with my family. Uh, so it'd be my parents and my little sister. You know, I, I couldn't see it any other way because without those three, I would not be on this call today. I wouldn't be where I'm at today, especially my parents. They, they've done more, more for me than I could ever thank them for, like I could ever repay them for. So just, you know, being able, to, being able to walk out of them one more time and let them be a part of, you know, a dream that we accomplished together is going to be, you know, a great satisfaction. So there it is. Navy will kick things off 330 from Annapolis on Saturday against East Carolina. Again, East Carolina, a four-point favorite in that one. All right, third game of the week, and not a senior night because it is on the road. Air Force heading to Nevada, 9 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Both these teams come into this game at 7-3 and three on the season, and it is going to be another one of those Mountain West-type games for Air Force where they're going to have to try to control the football with their running game, with Hazik Daniels, with uh, Brad Roberts. All of those guys are going to have to try to keep the ball away from Nevada because this team is not going to be running the ball that often at all. Nevada wants to throw it and throw it a ton. They average 373 yards a game through the air. Uh, do the Wolf Pack, and uh, they're not looking to run the ball at all. You look at their average running per game, and they're only averaging 64 yards a contest, and they only average 2.6 yards a carry. You, know, you consider that, and uh, you're not expecting Nevada uh, to run the ball much, if at all. But they come in with the same record as Air Force, 73 overall, 4-2 and two in conference play. So, it's going to be a challenge. Carson Strong, the quarterback for Nevada, has had a tremendous year. Uh, the junior so far this year completing 70% of his passes. He has 28 touchdowns to just seven interceptions, a QB rating of 152.7. Again, he averages over 350 yards passing per game. 
So uh, he is definitely going to be putting it up, and he's got a bunch of weapons, including including Romeo Dobbs, uh, the senior from Los Angeles, the 6'2", 200-pound wide receiver. He just had a great game against ranked San Diego State. Nine catches, 127 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 19-catch, 200-yard game earlier in the year against Fresno State. So he's a guy that they're going to have to keep an eye on. And just like this past week, uh, with Air Force having to deal with Colorado State's big tight end. They've got another one to deal with uh, in senior Cole Turner of Nevada. He comes into this contest as, again, one of the main guys that Nevada will look for when it comes to uh, getting the ball out and in the receivers. Uh, he's had some great games as well, including a 12-catch, 175-yard game against Hawaii. He's found the end zone twice on three different occasions this year, twice against UNLV, twice against Fresno State, and twice against New Mexico State as well. So uh, this uh, Nevada air attack is no joke at all. So uh, they're going to have their hands full, will the Air Force coming up this weekend. The other thing that Nevada does well is uh, forced turnovers, 19 forced turnovers already on the season. Uh the interceptions of that part, I think they have 11 on the year, isn't going to be as big of a concern because, again, Zeke Daniels and those guys are probably not going to try to throw the ball that much. But Nevada has forced 16 fumbles on the season, and they've recovered eight of them. So that could be a concern. Again, we know how often that Air Force is going to hand the ball off, so you'd like to see them be able to protect the football Ultimately, Air Force, a two-point underdog in this one to Nevada. And this is one that I think Air Force, unfortunately, is going to drop. I'm not sure their defense can hang with Nevada. I think they'll do an okay job of controlling the clock at times. I just think Nevada's uh, quick strike passing offense might be a little bit too much. We've seen what happened even against Army where if you get that single coverage on the outside uh, that they can be taken advantage of, I'm just afraid that Nevada is going to spread them out. And they're better than some of the other teams that have done it. But you think back to that Utah State game. Air Force had the lead. Utah State ultimately wore them down and was able to get the victory. I see the kind of the same thing here where it may be a kind of a back-and-forth game. Ultimately, though, I think Nevada may end up pulling this one out. So, unfortunately for me this week, I think Army's going to breeze. I think Navy and Air Force are both going to lose what could be close games, but ultimately I think East Carolina and Nevada will come out with victories in this one. All right, we will take a quick time out. It's time for our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll. After that, we'll become, I'll come back and wrap things up for this week's edition of Yards and Stripes. Be sure to stick around. We'll be back in just a bit.
All right, welcome back in. Here we go. It's time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment. And remember, a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country, uh, one who has put their life on the line, as so many do every single day here at home and around the world uh, in various capacities serving our nation. And this time, uh, this week, we're going to remember a young man, and I do mean young, because Corporate Daniel Baldassare of the United States Marine Corps uh, was just 20 years old when he died uh, while serving aboard a KC-130 uh, as he lost his life and gave the ultimate sacrifice on July the 10th, 2017. And the native of Colts Neck, New Jersey, was, as I mentioned, a member of the United States Marine Corps, uh, joined the Marines during his senior year of high school and prior to, prior to arriving at boot camp at Paris Island, uh, he attended Marine Corps Pooley training to prepare for recruit training, and he graduated from boot camp in December of 2015, uh, and he was recently, uh, right before his death, promoted to the rank of corporal based out of Stewart Air National Guard Base in Newburgh, New York, and he was later awarded the Global War on Terrorism's Service Medal and National Defense Service Medal. And Daniel, who uh, was a member of the Colts Neck High School football team uh, for several years uh, from where he lived. He was born uh, in the New Jersey area, and he was a witty character, as he was described by family and friends, uh, with a passion for history. Uh, he had a diverse interest in, in things from solace driving while listening to country music and Bible verses, uh, to playing the ukulele and the harmonica, to riding his skateboard. Uh, he loved going to the beach with his family and friends, especially to Long Beach Island uh, and other places where he could relax. And he was a, described as a man of character, integrity, and honesty. Uh, his name was chosen by his parents because the biblical Daniel was a hero, loyal, patriot, and he defended his beliefs. He lived out the characteristics of his chosen name. And as his sister Felicia <clears throat> said, their bond can never be broken even in death as they were best friends and confidants. Uh, he is survived by his mother and his father, Ant Antonina uh, Baldassare, and his father, Vincent Baldassare, as well as his stepmom, uh, Kelly, out of Colts Neck, New Jersey. And, you know, we take this time to remember uh, those folks like Corporal Daniel Baldassare of the United States Marine Corps uh, who put their life on the line. Uh, and as so many people said that the, that the country meant everything to him, he had a copy of the Constitution in his room uh, that he received when he was just five years old during a family trip to Williamsburg, Virginia. And his father, uh, he and his father would watch Band of Brothers together every Christmas holiday break. And one of his favorite songs was Chicken Fried by the Zac Brown Band. As his personality was described as, quote, a cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of a pair of jeans that fit just right in the radio in his 1997 Ford Ranger, as the song goes. So we want to take a step back and remember the life of Daniel Baldassare, who gave his life the ultimate sacrifice on July the 10th, 2017, because it's folks like Daniel and so many others who have come before him uh, that keep our freedoms free, because as we know, freedom is not free. So remember the life of Daniel Baldassare. All right, closing out this episode of Yards and Stripes. Again, thanks to everybody who listened to Price Atkinson. We'll be back next week with our next edition of Yards and Stripes. Again, we appreciate all the hard work that he's done throughout the year. Every once in a while, the man deserves a week off, so we went ahead and gave it to him this week. Uh, and, and we also want to say 
uh, as we close out this show, thanks to all of the players, first off, on any of these teams, because they are more than just college football players. Obviously, they are the future of this nation's defense. Uh, But most importantly, thank you to the seniors at both Navy and Army. And we'll throw Air Force in there as well, though their senior day is coming up. But uh, Navy and Army players that are celebrating their senior week this week, their senior game this week, want to thank them for everything that they've done. And you have to remember, these are players that didn't get an opportunity, like a lot of players in college football, to basically take the year off from COVID-19 and retain that year of eligibility. They don't have that option. And so we thank them for their service and their future service to this country and appreciate everything that they have done for us and will do for us in the future Uh, and hope that uh, both teams have a great game on Saturday. Hope that everything goes well and uh, win or lose for any of them. I hope they realize how much that everybody appreciates their efforts and how much uh, they have done to help people in this country and will do to help people in this country. And they're not done. They'll have a, you know another couple of games uh, you know that, again, coming up on December 11th. It doesn't matter that Army's already won the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. Uh, that game on December 11th is still going to mean something for both the Army and Navy football players. So they have something uh, still to look forward to, even after their final home game is done. So we wish them well. We wish, wish everyone good luck this Saturday in their games. And we'll talk about all the games with you next week on another episode of Yards and Stripes. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Thank you.